0: So our great coaches out there that we have, they're gonna make practices hard, right? They're gonna make them tough. And they always say like your, your best friends or your the best friends to have are the ones that are hard on you in the moment, but you love them later because that made you better, right? Like our best coaches are doing that, but we also are kind of like our own coach sometimes in the cage or in the basement or wherever we're at. So I need you to add a little bit more pressure into practice. friends welcome back to the podcast so excited to have you here i am coming off of a call that i just had with my vha members and it was so juicy and so good that it was time to just share it with you right away this episode is going to be about how to consistently add mental toughness to your training because many athletes i hear this all the time they struggle to take their practices Into games. Maybe their practices are great, but then they freeze in games and they're not able to execute. And personally, and through many coaches that I know, we all think the same thing. It's because we think that we've made our practices a little too easy, a little too simple, um, a little too feel-good. There's time for feel-good swings, but there's really we need to we need to execute under more pressure. So the greatest coaches that I've met in the game, they plan to make their practices so hard that the games start to feel Easy. Coach P literally said this on the episode that we just had with her that she makes her infield and her outfield practice under a timer and they have to get and execute plays in under a really, really tough time to beat. And they do that consistently so that they can have and they've added urgency to their practice. So when the urgency or the game starts to get fast in a game, they've already been there. We have to make the game faster. We have to make our heart palpitate a little bit more. So Today, I'm giving you a sneak peek into the conversation I literally just had with my Virtual Hitting Academy members in our 30-minute workshop, and we literally did this last week. And I'm sharing with the team a few easy strategies that they can add specifically to their hitting practice, I mean, it is Virtual Hitting Academy, from a few line drive challenges that you can do off the tee and then elevate into front toss to a little bit of situational hitting to help paint the picture of what they're going to see in games and to execute in tough finishers as well. So we have some finishers where we're getting them tired, we're getting them really exhausted, but still having to execute line drives in those scenarios. So I'm giving them a bunch of scenarios that they can start adding to their own practice and that I advise they add, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes to every single practice that they put in so that we can find ourselves in the last game of a long day Or the last game of a long weekend, or in the 10th inning when everybody's exhausted in the heat, still being able to stay even keeled and execute the plan. So, without further ado, let's dive into this episode. All right, let's go. Let's talk mental toughness. Let's talk different challenges that we can add to our workouts to help make them a little tougher. So, some of these challenges you have seen in some of the hitting workshops that we have done. Um, But a lot of times when we do a workshop, we don't actually think about like, hey, that's helping me with my mental toughness. But today I'm going to share exactly why we do certain things in our workouts, why I think you should be adding them to especially the end of your workout. It's going to be working on our kind of just that, that resilience muscle that, you know, when let's say you're in the seventh inning and you're exhausted and you're up to bat, like you still need to be mentally prepared for the moment. Some of these challenges are going to help with that. Okay. So first things first, I want you to think of something that you don't like to do that. Like when you're told, Hey, you have to go do this. You kind of like are frustrated by for me, it's burpees. I do not like burpees. I hate them actually. For some people it's push-ups. For some people it's like a 30 second wall sit. something that like you get aggravated when you're told to do it, but like you're doing it because let's say you didn't rise to the occasion on the challenge or um, you didn't execute when you were supposed to execute things like that. Does that make sense? Give me your examples in the chat or, or tell me, it doesn't matter. Um, what are the things that like irk you when, when you have to go and do it? So for me, it's, it's burpees. I just very much dislike them. Some people love them. I don't know. What are your guys's things? Burpees. Presley said burpees. I feel you, girl. There's just something about a full body move like that. That's just exhausting. It's exhausting. Good. So that's your thing. Uh, pull-ups. Look at you, Mills not everybody has access to pull-ups in their garage like Mills does, but she does. So she can do that. So it's not going to be a thing where you're going like you're, you're doing like 45 burpees or 45 pull-ups. It's just like enough to kind of get you like, "Mm," like, I want to get this done. So I would say something like five burpees or from, from a pull-up perspective, I used to be able to do a lot more. If I was doing pull-ups, I'd say like, uh, one, one or two pull-ups that would be like my max, but, um, something where you're like, Oh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because I didn't get the job done and I'm going to do the challenge again until I get the job done. So I don't have to do the burpee or I don't have to do the pull-up. Does that make sense? So I wanted you to first think of the thing that irks you because for some weird reason, our brains tend to be motivated, uh, a little bit more when there's some sort of incentive. So if you don't have to do 5 burpees, if you do accomplish one of the challenges I'm going to talk about, it's like we tend to stand in the box like with a little bit more grit. We're like, "Okay, like I have to complete this challenge. I don't want to do burpees, so I will go do whatever this thing is." Okay? This is helping you with that resilience muscle. It's helping you with the, you know, just this the assertiveness of let's get this job done because When I get it done, I won't have to do a burpee, but when I do, I have to go do it. So that's where I wanted to kind of start. So think of your thing, write it down, or just have it in your brain. So we're going to start with challenges that you can do off of the T, okay? Because a lot of you have, um, you know, you hit from home. This is Virtual Hitting Academy. A lot of you guys hit in your garage or you hit um, at a local barn or you hit in your backyard if you're lucky with great access to things like that, we're going to start with T-work and we're going to kind of build up to more of that like front toss or machine work. Okay. So this first one I like to do, and we've done this one before, is we're just going to talk about a list of different line drive challenges. Okay. So if you want to like write line drive challenges, we're going to go through a few of them that you can do. And we're going to kind of go up the chain. We're going to start with a nice and easy one, and then we're going to make it harder, make it harder, make it harder. So this is where you can kind of play around with it. So I would say, let's start with something along the lines of seeing how many line drives you can hit in a row, maybe on a specific pitch location. So line drives you can hit in a row on a certain pitch. Maybe if you have a lot of time that day, you can do a bunch of different pitches. Or if you're just finishing the day, you pick one pitch that kind of irks you, that kind of bugs you a little bit to add that little extra challenge. Uh, But seeing how many you can hit in a row. Um, And let's say you're trying to get to five. So this is where the the grit and the toughness comes from. If you think five is easy, then don't pick five. If you think 12 is a little bit tougher, then maybe it's 12. You really got to be locked in for 12, especially on a pitch location that you don't love. Okay. But don't pick 12 if three is hard for you. You have to kind of look internally and say, what's going to be a little bit tougher for me? And we're going to go do that thing. Okay. So again, so let's say your, your challenge is five and the first time through you only get four and then the fifth one, you kind of bobble. Well, that's where you do your one or two burpees, get back into it. So it's kind of just like, I like thinking of your, and I don't want to call burpees or pushups, like punishments, but you can call them that if you want but the reason why I like adding the burpee or the push up or, or mills, the pull up is because that's going to be adding a little time to like, get your mind right. Because a lot of times if we're not getting the job done in the cage and we're just hitting over and over and things aren't going well, we're not getting it done. We just like keep hitting and we keep putting ourselves and digging ourselves into a huge hole. Who's been there? Me, you, yes, all of us. So instead of putting yourself into the hole how about okay we don't get the job done we take a second I would say we take a break but a push-up's not really a break but we take that second to do our push-up get our mind right get back to focus you do not have to carry this into a game and do a push-up after a bat it bat by the way this is just in practice all right don't go don't go to the extreme and like mid it back go do a push-up that'd be crazy. So maybe you choose um how many you can hit in a row here's where you can make it a little bit tougher. So this is where you can say, I'm going to hit a certain amount in a row, but I have to get that number in 60 seconds or I have to get. So now you add the element of time to make it a little bit tougher. Okay, so add the add time. So let's say this challenge, it's not based on getting to a number and doing burpees like maybe you don't do the burpees until the end of the 60 seconds if you don't get that. So let's say you chose six, six is your number that you're trying to hit a line dra- or hit consecutively. I would say if you're adding time, don't do burpees in the middle of the 60 seconds. I would say um, if it's under time stress, that's your stressor, then go for 60 seconds and see if you can get your six. But this is where you got, you got to kind of play around with your time. So if you choose 12 and try to do that in 60 seconds, that might not be enough time. So depending on the number that you choose of line drives to hit in a row, you're probably going to have to extend your time. Does that make sense, you guys? I know we're talking logistics, but I want you to make the challenge reasonable. And not reasonable. I want to make it tough, but I also need need it to be like not impossible. Okay. So this is where you got to get a little um, creative on your time blocks. So this is where we talked about time. We added making time tougher. Now this exact, like, this is the crazy thing about this challenge. It's like, you can make it however you want it. So let's say in 60 seconds, your goal was six and you ended up getting seven. Amazing. Now you have to get eight in your 60 seconds. And let's say eight's like impossible. It's not really impossible in 60 seconds. But do you guys see how you can keep elevating your challenges? If you complete the challenge, if you get eight in 60 seconds, okay, make it nine for the next time. Keep adding ways to make it tougher. You have to be able to create that discipline in order to see the results, you guys. If you guys say, oh, I'm just going to try to get five, and great, you got five in 60 seconds, you should not be pushing for five anymore. Five is gone. It's kind of like some of you guys lift weights, it's kind of like when we go to the gym, because you can never beat the gym. The gym will always beat you. There will be a certain amount of weight that we cannot put up, right? Like a push-up. Or um, let's say um, we're doing dumbbell push press, okay? So we're doing some sort of a push press. There will be a certain weight that you cannot push up because, like, a certain amount of weight is too too much for us. So think of it that way. If you're in the gym and let's say you get 20 pounds up and that's, like, easy, I chose a big, pretty heavy weight. And then you go for 25 and you like struggle with 25. Well, then the next time I want you to start with 25 and then maybe try 30. And if 30 is too much, go back to 25, but keep pushing yourself. Keep trying to go for more. Keep trying to add a shorter amount of time. And that's how we are going to develop that discipline to be able in turn, see ourselves as stronger hitters mentally by simply adding tougher challenges for ourselves. Um, By the way, if you guys have any sort of question, we're going to try to finish on the dot today. If you have any sort of question as I'm talking, write it into the chat in the notes or the chat, and I'll try to answer it before we leave today. Okay? Okay. I'm getting out of my comfort zone once again to tell you about something that I have told you for the past four weeks. And you know, in my head, I'm like, man, they're probably tired of me talking about this. But I have to talk about it because I am so passionate about it. And if I don't tell you about it and you miss it, I'm going to beat myself up. So Virtual Hitting Academy, let's talk about it. It is the community that I've built for hitters across the nation, literally from California all the way to the East Coast. We have some kids in Canada. We've even had a kid from Mexico. We have the whole shebang inside of the Academy. And what is the purpose? The purpose is to be able to give you tools as a hitter to become as strong as you can foundationally. So feeling good in your swing, your individual swing. I'm not trying to make everybody in Academy have the same swing. No, everybody's different. Everybody's unique, but there are qualities of every swing, especially at contact that you need to know to help make sure you are strong foundationally. So if you want to develop confidence, that's another element that we spend so much time on. Every single week we do a workshop. Sometimes we hit and a lot of times we are diving in on the mental skills, the self-talk, the belief, the routines, the approaches at the plate, the things that are the intangible intangibles outside of the swing itself. That's where we hone in on mental skills. We do all of this in weekly workshops. We have guest speakers from literally Sue Inquist, who's won tons of national titles. Coach Hutch literally talked with us recently. Oh my gosh! And you guys are actually going to hear a little bit of that on the podcast here in a little bit. We've had Hannah Hughesman, who won the World Series. She was their mental skills coordinator. She just won a World Series for the Texas Rangers. She was in talking to the Academy members. The goal is to give you everything and anything that you will need to help become a successful hitter. That is VHA, and VHA is actually getting surprise, surprise, a little facelift in 2024. I'll be explaining more of that in episodes in weeks to come, but we're getting a facelift and you're not going to want to miss how cool this is going to be. So you're going to want to be on my wait list one, because I'm going to send you so many emails of skills that you can actually start working on from home. Now, some of my favorite tools that I love to work with, basically I'm going to give you a lot of pieces from VHA in these emails to come with my waitlist. So at least join for those. If you happen to stick around and become part of EHA, even better, but join the waitlist. Literally there's no obligation. You're just going to get sent value. So why not join the waitlist? So if you head to www.ashleybtraining.com slash waitlist, or just head to my website, you'll find it. You can be on the waitlist, get all of these punchy emails that'll help you succeed as a hitter, as a hitting coach, whatever it is you want to learn, join the waitlist. You're going to want to be there. And I have an exciting reveal on January 1st you're not going to want to miss. All right, enough about the VHA. Let's head back to this really great episode. So, We talked about line drive challenges and we talked about doing it off of the T. So picking a location that's tough. Don't do this down the middle. Don't do it down the middle. That's too easy. Find a location that's kind of sticky for you. Um, Now, you can take the exact line drive challenges that we just talked about off the T and do it off of front toss. Okay. So front toss. Give me a raise of hands. Is front toss easier or harder than the T itself? Easier, raise your hand. Harder, raise your hand. What is harder? Sorry, I did not make that easy to answer. My bad. Front toss is harder than the T. Who can tell me why? Why is front toss harder than the T? Pretty simple. Anybody can say it. Why is front toss harder than the T? Okay, I think it's harder to hit off a front toss because... Well, I don't know. I'm in between because I really like front toss, but. I, I love front toss too, but technically it's harder. Don't overthink it because. um, Like it, it's a moving ball. And so like adjustments as fast. Correct. And like little e- easy mistakes are easier to make in front toss than they are on the tee. Exactly. Addie got it as well. She just wrote it at the bottom. Good, Mills. It's harder just because it's a moving ball. Okay, it's going at different spins, it's going at different speeds, locations, like you add different elements. So, if you start doing these challenges off of front toss first, they're going to be a lot harder to master right away. So, I would say start with these line drive challenges off the tee. Then, if you have access to front toss, I know not everybody has access, but if you happen to have access to front toss or you're in a practice, um, you can do this challenge without anybody knowing you're doing the challenge. Okay. Like if if you're just hitting front toss in, let's say, a practice and it's just aimless front toss and you're just getting balls, make it tough. Make it tough and say, okay, I'm trying to hit four line drives in a row. Let's go. And then maybe after your session of hitting, you can do your burpees if you had any. But you can also say, hey, I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to set a timer on my watch. My Apple watch says, okay, 60 seconds. For 60 seconds, I'm going to hit and I'm going to see how many line drives I can hit. And then the next time you go into front toss, you can set your timer for 60 seconds, see how many line drives you can hit, try to beat the first round. I want you guys to realize that not every, actually most people that practice, they don't think this way. They don't create a game within the game, but that's what we're trying to create. A little game, a little challenge within our regular practice. This is what's going to help you elevate faster than the people around you. Truly, it will because they're just there to practice. Most people are just there to practice. They're being told what to do and they're going to do it. But if you can say, okay, I'm in front toss for my coach, normal front toss day. And I'm going to say, this is where I'm actually going into the next thing. So front toss, I'm going to pretend like there's a runner at second base. And it's my job to score her. See how I'm playing a game within the game. There's no runner at second. I'm playing imagination, like SpongeBob says in his imagination episode with his rainbow. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's okay if you don't. You're now playing a game within yourself. So front tosses are coming, and there's a runner at second. And let's say you hit a ball and it goes directly up the middle hard. That means the runner is advanced. So yes. So that would be a yes. Let's say the next front toss you get, same situation, runners at second. Let's say we might pop up to third. Then that would be a no. And then the next step back would be like, okay, I popped up. Now I'm trying to, you know, go somewhere to the right side of the field so she can advance. And then you hit a hard ball to the right side. That'd be a yes. Right. So again, you don't even have to have numbers here or a time here. You can just have a situation that you're trying to execute. Because if you can put yourself into the shoes of the place you're going to be, let's say this spring, some of you guys have winter games. But our most important games are like spring, high school or summer ball, travel ball, wherever our most important games are. You have to like put yourself there before you're there so that you can be mentally prepared for the situation. Okay. So situational hitting. Who can give me an example of some sort of situational hitting that you've done with hitting coach or in practice, or maybe your dad taught you? What are scenarios of situational hitting that maybe you've done before? Maybe off front toss. Presley, go ahead. We do uh, count situations a lot in practice. Count situations. Do you do that off of a machine, off of front toss? Front toss. Front toss. Good. Um, I always think it's really fun to do situations when you have a front toss and like it's on an open field. I don't know if you guys have access to that. Some of you guys might. Some of you guys might not, but like, if you can have a full defense and you're hitting and you have a front tosser and let's say there's some base runners on, like there is nothing that's going to get you closer to a game than that situation. Um, Presley, do you do most of yours in the cage when you guys do that? Yeah. Mostly in cage. Cage stuff. Yeah. So um, are you going through situations between each pitch Or do you do one situation and then you continuously hit a few? We do one situation and you get however many balls. And then we usually do that same situation for like five or 10 minutes or a couple of rounds. And then we'll switch it up. Cool. I really like that. So I like hearing how other people do it too, because you can play with this, you guys. Like I'm just giving you situations that either I did as a player or now I do with my in-person lessons or actually some of you that I get to work with one-on-one. But, you know, that is totally beneficial. You can like stay on that situation for a while and like figure out what type of mentality works well for you in that situation. Because if there's a runner at first and then there's nobody on, those are two different situations that require two different mindsets, right? So if there's a runner at first, what could be a mindset that can help you execute? What what are you trying to do in that situation? Give me some examples. Tell me tell me what you guys would think in that situation. Runner at first. What do we got? What are our what are our thoughts that that could be helpful in this situation? Um taking the ball to the left side of the field cuz you want to get that runner advanced to second. Okay. So okay. left side of the field. Why not right side? Because that's where the runner's going. I mean, she's coming from first base to second and mm-hmm. if it if it doesn't get past the second baseman then it's like Yeah. Yeah. I'm only asking that because as a lefty, I'm trying to hit it to the right side because it's easier to pull it. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking hit behind her, but you liked the left side. So are you thinking like third base five, six hole? That's your good. I like that. I like being able to talk about situations because some people have different mindsets and that's totally fine. The whole point is to put yourself in the situation prior to being in the situation. Okay, let's go through an, another example. Runner at third, less than two outs. Somebody other than Mills. Let's let's go through what your mindset's going to be there. I'll give you guys the example of what I say, and then I'll, I'll listen to you guys. Um, when I became mostly a power hitter, and again, I'm a lefty, so I think a little differently than a righty here because she's on the other side of the field as me. I was in a place my senior year where I could kind of put the ball where I wanted it. And I'm telling you right now, it took me years to be able to do that. But I was trying to hit a ball deep to the outfield, not over the fence, because I told you guys, if I'm trying to put it over the fence, I'm probably going to hit a pop-up in the infield. I need something to go to the outfield hard. So as an advanced hitter, you guys, I'm telling you, don't, don't think like me in this situation yet. But maybe in the future, you can look forward to it. I'm saying I'm trying to hit it deep to the outfield. So my senior year, runner at second, less than two, I'm actually trying to go for a sack fly. So sack fly out to right field or center field, deep enough to let that runner go. So I'm sacrificing myself to let her go. And sometimes when I was like, hey, I'm trying to hit it deep to the outfield, I ended up getting a double or triple. So that mindset worked for me. And I practiced this in practice. When we were doing live hitting off of the field, I would practice that. Um, and I happened to actually, I think I ended up tying for the most sack flies in a season that year. And like, I don't think that's ironic. I think that's because I told myself I wanted to do this and I practiced this that I could execute it. Okay. It looks like somebody else wrote something, so I wanted to look. Um, uh, Addie said, hit it to the right side. That's good. So right side, even if it's in the ground, that's likely, you know, Sega is really far away. If that runner is pretty quick and is good at decision making, yeah, she could probably score. So something hard to the right side. Good, Addie. So do you guys understand the power of like having a plan in a practice, but like a pressure situation in practice, that's going to help prepare you for the game. We need to add more pressure to practices. We need to add more pressure to workshops that we do on Wednesdays. I told Aaliyah to give you guys a good challenge to wrap next week. So hopefully you can hit with her next week. We need to add more challenges. Okay. This is why I love doing a full challenge day every once in a while. Like I think we did two of them this year. We're for hitting. It was just challenges. It was like, okay, one challenge after the other. But the whole point is to add more pressure to practice so that our games were more, we're more prepared. Did you guys ever hear this before? Give me a thumbs up. If you have, if you, Practice, or you should make your practice harder than games, so that games will feel easier. You guys ever heard that? You understand most of your practice comes from you, right? So our great coaches out there that we have, they're gonna make practices hard, right? They're gonna make them tough. They always say like your your best friends or your the best friends to have are the ones that you know are hard on you in the moment, but you love them later because that made you better right? Like our best coaches are doing that, but we also are kind of like our own coach sometimes in the cage or in the basement or wherever we're at. Okay. So I need you to add a little bit more pressure into practice. This last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to go, this went by really fast, um, is you can also add some sort of element of taking tired swings. What I mean by tired swings are. You do some sort of a circuit, which we've done something like this before, but let's say you set a timer for 90 seconds. That's a lot of time and you're going to alternate. You're going to go three line drives, three burpees, three line drives, three burpees, or you go five hits, five burpees. Doesn't matter. Like you can literally play again. Everybody's different. I'm sure Mills, because she practices military style, is going to choose a number that's outrageous, but like that works for her. If you're a little younger and kind of new to these challenges, I don't want you to do what Mills does. She's just a lot older. She's been through the game in a while. And she also has a cousin who plays D1 softball and has high standards. Anyway, I want you to choose something that'll be tough for you. So for me, if I was if I was to do this, I know that if I set a timer for 60 seconds and I'm doing three line drives, three burpees, three line drives, th- three burpees, I'm going to be tired by the end. Okay. I would start with that. You guys, three line drives, three burpees for 60 seconds. If that's easy for you, bump it to 90 seconds. If that's easy for you, bump it to more or add more burpees, whatever. Play with it. So, you know, it's going to be hard because I literally have butterflies in my stomach and I'm not even about to go do this. But if I'm told, Hey, you're about to go do this, I'm going to have butterflies, but who cares? I have to go do it anyway. This is how you can elevate your practice. Taking tired swings like that is going to help you have a good, tough mindset by inning seven. Because a lot of times, you guys know this, like you might have been the person that's tired in inning seven because you weren't as endure, endurantly, that's not a word. Your endurance wasn't as high as maybe the opposing team. You want to have endurance by the seventh inning, by the eighth inning, ninth inning, like practice harder than you play. So you can add some sort of timer and do some swings that by the end, you're tired, but you still have to go execute. Okay. That's why I emphasize you're not just hitting three balls. You're trying to hit three line drives. So until you hit three line drives, once you do that, then you do the birthdays. So you have to lock in and get it done. Do you guys have any questions about today? How do you feel about this? You excited to kind of add this to your training? Well, you guys went like this really fast. Yes, this is this is how you guys are going to separate yourselves from the pack. Okay, so I'm going to recommend after every single training you do, whether it's in your basement, whether it's you know at your practice. Let's say it's like a nice easy practice. You're like, eh, no, I want to get a little bit more out of it. Add this, add one of these elements. Okay, and nobody has to know. It could just be you and yourself, because at the end of the day, it's us versus ourselves most of the time in the box. You guys know this. And I want you guys to come out on top. I didn't get to share this with the team, but when I was coaching at Notre Dame, we had an entire cage that throughout the whole season, every single practice, they had to go into this cage with, I would call it the impossible rise ball machine. It was ridiculous how much this rise ball moved. Probably, I would say like two feet, like it was insane how much it rose. And the girls struggled with this challenge and they were, they were given this challenge every single day without question. They were going to do this. And what I loved about it is that you know throughout the whole fall, I'm like feeling bad for them because they're swinging and missing. They're getting frustrated. Some athletes are literally crying because they can't figure it out. And we've all been there, right? We've been given a challenge. We can't figure it out. And we don't know what to do. But they are literally given this challenge every single day in the cage. And what I love about it is that they're given the challenge and they have to go fight their fear. They hate it. They hate this machine, but they're fighting their fears every single day. And all of a sudden, you know, fall is happening. They're not even touching it. The end of winter, they're actually touching the ball. They're not making solid contact yet, but they're touching it. And then by spring, by January, going into season, they're figuring out how to hit it. And it's amazing because that machine is harder than any rise ball they're going to see all season. But when they are given a rise ball, they're actually leveling them out so much more in season because they work so hard to figure out what it takes to actually conquer this machine. So this goes along with the entire conversation today about make your practices harder. So in games, it's like it's a piece of cake. That girl that's throwing a rise ball and it's moving a lot, well, it's not moving more than the machine. They feel better about that situation now that they're there make that happen with different elements of your game, of your practices. You will be so proud, so proud of how you show up in games. The goal is to make our training as realistic to games as we can. So let's start with this. If you enjoyed this episode, if you know you're going to want to refer to it, share it with a friend, but save it so that whenever you need a little inspiration to do hard things go listen to this episode because without consistently doing hard things we won't become as mentally strong as we possibly can. All right, if you enjoyed this episode of When the Cleats Come Off, please share it with a friend or even better, share it with a friend and leave us a review. It's the easiest way you can promote the podcast and go ahead to our new When the Cleats Come Off Facebook community. There's so many people in there sharing their favorite moments from each episode. You're definitely going to want to be in there. And especially because if you're listening still, I have a huge announcement coming in next week's episode. So that's December 27th. I am sharing an announcement that's been on my heart for a long time. And you're going to want to one, listen to that episode because that's where I'm actually sharing it for the first time. And two, if you go into the, when the cleats come off community on Facebook, you're going to see all the details of how exciting this news is. You can find that link to the community on the show notes. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. I'm so excited to create more episodes like this one for you. And please don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. And I'll see you next week for my exciting announcement.